Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. How's it going this week, Ryan? It's going well. We delayed the show one Earth Day to see if the Nintendo Switch Pro would be revealed, and it didn't. Uh, We were going to delay another night, but then we realized we would probably never have the Gamers Inn ever again, because I don't think Nintendo... (laughs) It's almost like, oh man, they keep predicting we're going to announce this thing. We should just scrap it. So, I don't know. I, I, we'll see if it happens tomorrow. And uh, if, it, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, we'll see if it happens the next day. But um, if you're holding your breath, <laughs> stop. Don't. You should probably stop now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> definitely come up for air, folks. Uh, but E3's around the corner. So, like, we're going to get some exciting news, whether it's a, a Switch Pro or not. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't wait. You guys... Uh, little peek behind the curtain here because uh, obviously we have show notes that we work from every week and poor Ryan under his comments from the Nintendo stuff like I just I've seen such a range of emotions go through that comment box over the last like 48 hours like oh maybe we'll get it today it was not today or never ah <laughs> like I can feel the frustration through the internet in our Google Docs. <laughs> well, so I don't. E- I don't even know. Like, here's the thing. Um, do are you gonna get it if it gets announced? Like, I, I don't think I can. Like, I just I have a <laughs> PlayStation Five and I have an Xbox Series X, and it's like, do do I'm not. I don't. I don't know if I should. Like. <laughs> I think, I think it Which comes means down. He totally is going to because they're going to stick in a like a a collector's edition amiibo that's going to come with it, and <laughs> then he's just going to have to get it. <laughs> I think for me, what pushes me over the edge is 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 a solid um, upgrade to the Switch sort of presentation, not just of games released previously, uh, like you see with the Series X and the PS5, where they're where they're truly embracing this cross generation. Um, uh, 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 of games but really for a switch pro it's got to be here's all the great amazing features that are going to be supported by games going forward and here's here's the first game that's truly going to take advantage of it and it's likely breath of the wild too and i mm-hmm. think that would be that would be the thing that gets me day one however like down the road there are going to be enough games i think that support it but nintendo does not have as strong a track record with these half-step consoles like Microsoft and Sony have, where they've sort of done the opposite, where like they target the Pro and the One X versions. And if you're on a launch console, it's like, you know, is it good? Is it great? Uh, I don't know. But it's but if you don't have a Pro or One X, like you're you're tossing the coin, right? And Nintendo's always been, no, we'll do a half-step console, and a couple of games will support it. But really, everyone's still targeting that that console that has like 20 million plus, uh, you know, products out there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Nintendo's really got to show that, uh, that they're serious this time. And, and I mean, we have a news story about it, but it seems like it could maybe be like a true half step. Um, but to me, it's like, I, I gotta, I gotta get the details. Cause right now it's sounding like 4k better screen. I don't really play portable. So um mm. we'll we'll see we'll see i'm sure it's happening I, I mean honestly it just seems like there's so many details that's gotta I, there's happen there's so many rumors and like you said so many details i can't imagine that they that it's not a real thing right like yeah. 
And I also don't think that they would like scrap an entire project because somebody leaked it or guessed it or whatever. Like it's coming. I I'm feel certain of that. I just don't know exactly when we're going to hear about it, but I feel pretty good about it, Ryan. Tomorrow. It's happening. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think uh, it's one of those things where it, it makes sense. Like, you have the new PS5, the new Xbox Series X. They're having, um, you know, uh, supply issues. So if you're launching a new console, of course, you're also going to have supply issues. So it's kind of perfect timing. You can kind of join in on that fun. Um, (laughs) And you can equally piss off your consumers by not having enough in stock. And, you know, you can also price it alongside the PS5 and Series X because, again, you have that hybrid console model. Like... It's a really smart move for Nintendo. It, it allows them to, to basically sell, you know, a, a, with a net game where they're making money on every system as opposed to the other, you know, platform holders that are losing money. So it's a win. It's a win-win for Nintendo, um, whether or not uh, they we, we see it on the on the software side. Uh, the, the talk is, is that they wanted to get it out before E3 because a lot of their third party supporters are going to have games that will support um, the pro right. model. And that Which makes then, sense. like, how awkward is that, right? Nintendo hasn't announced it yet, and then you get all of your partners going up on stage and, like, splashing your pro logo everywhere, and Nintendo's just like, well, um, soft launch? Or, like, soft announcement? Is there a word for that? <laughs> Stealth announcement? <laughs> really what it'll be is it'll just be a trailer. Here's the Switch Pro. Here's what its features are just to queue up the ability of because nintendo has third-party publishers supporting their console the switch is getting a lot of attention from publishers that would normally skip on a nintendo console like you saw the wii but those were wii games you saw the wii u it saw no support so with the switch you're seeing sort of parity among you know the previous generation of sony and microsoft consoles but but even on the next gen side you're seeing a little bit of uh parody there so maybe you could see this pro model getting ubisoft more in line you know seeing the assassin's creeds and whatnot launching on nintendo platforms again like it'll be it'll be really interesting to see but again like i don't want to get my hopes up too much because really at the end of the day it's probably just going to play nintendo games better like that's yeah that's what's happening (laughs) which is still kind of okay i i'm down with that so uh we'll have to see if we get anything announced what gets announced um i'm sure we'll be talking about it next week and beyond but uh ryan what what have you actually had your hands on and playing this week well i uh, received a review code for biomutant uh it's a brand new game that came out i think uh last week uh, i'm playing it on my playstation 5 so it's a it's, a, it's running a ps4 version on the ps5 okay uh although it is, i think it is slightly boosted um in terms of its performance, although the PS4, the the Series X runs it at 4K 60 frames, whereas the PS5 version, I think, upscales from 1080p. They were having some performance issues. How um, dare they? <laughs> I know, I know. I Honestly, I don't notice the difference, but I'm sure if I were to look at it side by side, I would. But at this stage, it's uh, resolution is not the core issue I have with the game. Um, Ooh, <laughs> drama! It's here's the thing. Um, this is one of those games that's very ambitious, uh, but is also not uh, to me. It, it doesn't feel like you know. You have those AAA releases. You have like Breath of the Wild. You have 
um, Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla, you know, where they have hundreds of staff members to throw at this and make it a success by just sheer force. And with with Biomutant, um, it, it has a lot of rough edges, some of which can be fixed at, that they are addressing in patches. And I'll be sure to note that here because that patch has launched on PC, but it's not come to the consoles just yet. Um, but essentially what the game is, it's, it's very much, uh, inspired by Breath of the Wild. It's this big open world, this big lush environment with forests and, uh, pathways and, and, uh, you know, there are some areas that differ similar to Breath of the Wild. You have your like ice areas and your swamp areas and, and, uh, your, your lack of oxygen areas, uh, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit, but okay, yeah, there's <laughs> so some not weirdness. even underwater air, like other lack of oxygen areas. No, you literally just walk into an area and it's like you can't breathe. That it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a. I they call them hazard That's zones. Fun. Yeah, mm, no, sometimes it's fun. <laughs> other times, not so much. And that this reminds is... me of like climbing up a cliff and it starts raining in Breath of the Wild and you're just like, oh. And, <laughs> and that's the thing. This game has those moments, but in comparison to Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild is designed in a way where if you're climbing that cliff, you know when you're going to fail because it's either going to rain. You're like, well, shit, I'm going to fall to my death. Or your stamina meter is going to run out and it's like, oh, shit, I'm going to fall to my death. And... <laughs> But you know that going in, when you commit to climbing, you know, you can see in the little meter, like, oh, I can make it before the rain comes in, because there's that, like, sort of weather preview coming in. You know whether you're going to fail or not. In Biomutant, like, there are these areas where they're called hazard zones, because essentially the what's happening in this game is, like, it's a, post, it's a post-post-apocalyptic game, similar to Horizon Zero Dawn, where... Okay. The world has ended, humanity is no more, and there has been this new society that's that's sort of um, come about. In Biomutant, the world has ended through uh, basically uh, a major corporation, causes a bunch of pollution, wipes out all of humanity, and all that's left are these Biomutants, uh, uh, all varying uh, types of animals, but they're all sort of like combinations of a bunch of animals. They're all unique in the way they're crafted. Um, so you're not seeing like, you know, uh, a mutant beaver running around, but you're seeing what looks to be like something like a gopher or a raccoon kind of, <laughs> kind of, run. it's all very weird. It's so hard to explain because you have to see it. It's like, I don't even know how I think all kind of look, all the main characters, they all kind of look like gophers, like varying sizes of, of these, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Okay. An- anthropomorphic, is that the word? Yeah, like yeah. animals that look like humans? Yeah. So it's kind of like that. And um, the world is set up in this way where there's this world tree and the world is dying again. You have these world eaters that are like gnawing on the world tree. The world tree is what basically sustains life in this world. And because the world has already gone through this like uh, this this uh, pollution, there are these areas that are sort of left over. They're called hazard zones. So there's one zone that is very early on in the game where it's a um, <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. It's like uh, it's not a it, there's like a percentage meter for asphyxiation. Like you're losing oxygen, and okay. um, as you're running through the area, if you get to high ground, there's more oxygen, and that that number will decrease. So is there like a gas or a cloud or anything or is it just like all looks the same and you just have to watch a meter? In it looks 
it looks different in that like the areas where you're safe where and this is a this is a smaller zone of the greater open world the open world where you are seeing varying kinds of landscapes similar to breath of the wild like with the valleys and and the large areas of of uh, forestry and stuff like those are just those are the really nice zones where you're kind of exploring and you're and you're seeing the beauty of the world but the hazard zones specifically this one where um there's it's got to be some sort of gas it's very hard to see but it's very easy to tell when you're in that area because in the top right of your screen you'll see like a meter sort of counting up as you are losing more and more oxygen is it counting Either way, it's counting to down. It's counting something. Sounds counting something. <laughs> it's counting down to your death. And um, that's fine. Like through the gameplay, you're trying to get through this area to defeat the 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 world eater, which is like a sub boss. And each of these sub bosses involves some sort of unique vehicle um, for combat or traversal. So that's also kind of neat. It mixes things up when you're going after these sub bosses. And the first one is like, we need you to build this mech or we need you to find a part for this mech so that you can get through the hazard zone and take on the world boss. And um, that was really cool. But on my way to getting the part, because like leading up to fighting the sub boss, you have to do a bunch of quests for the person who's trying to take out the the world eater. And, uh, and I got stuck and the autosave was stuck in an area where I was constantly reloading into a zone where I couldn't get out of the zone because I would lose oxygen too quickly. So I was stuck in this recursive loop of just like my character (laughs) gasping for air (laughs) every, I think I died faster than the load, you know, came in because it doesn't have the, the next gen loading. Um, so it's, it's not loading faster. Maybe if I moved it to my internal drive and move a little faster, but at the end of the day, like it's precious space there. So I figure I'll play off the hard drive. Um, but yeah, I was, I got stuck. I ended up having to like load a previous save. Luckily I had some auto saves that were outside of like this dead zone. So I was able to tackle it again, but like, it was really frustrating. Like they're, they've tried to build this very large and unique world with a bunch of subsystems and stuff, but they don't feel balanced like they did Mm. in Breath of the Wild. In Breath of the Wild, they felt balanced to a certain degree. Like, yes, there were moments that were frustrating, like, you know, raining when you're climbing or the stamina meter running out when you're climbing. And there's a lot of those examples in that game, but it didn't feel so bad that you felt the game was was punishing you um, unless your weapons all broke at a very strategic <laughs> moment. Like there were those instances where things I could felt happen. like Zelda was punishing me. I well, thought I'd like it, but I didn't. Then you probably won't like Biomutant because I feel like there are these there are these moments that um feel quite punishing uh and and again they can they can go in they can patch that they can probably fix those areas probably put some more messaging in there to be like no you don't want to be in this area without doing xyz like you know you want to get the mech and that's how you want to traverse this area or uh eventually if you're in a hazard zone for too long they'll say hey if you follow this quest you can go get like the oxygen suit totally optional if you want to explore this area outside of the mech you might want to go get that oxygen suit I never did because like it sent you like halfway across the map and like my objective was right here to to use the mech to fight the boss. Um, mm-hmm. But like that brings in the other areas of the, you know, the other issues with the game where um, they, it's all voice acted, but from the perspective of the narrator, there's like this little robot 
uh, grasshopper and and he he (laughs) narrates and translates everything um you've probably seen some stories out there listeners where like people talk about how annoying this character is in the game because he's constantly talking like you walk across a a a trail and you'd be like man that trail pretty pretty trailed you know trail trails walked or something he'll say something really just random (laughs) that's not even a full sentence (laughs) sometimes yeah like it's it's really odd like an odd design choice to have this this character talking constantly um and and you can turn it down but it still doesn't stop him from like if you reload and it's like way to reload or if you uh pull out a giant sword it's like hey that's a sharp sword and and i mean i'm not it sounds like i'm being yeah, over the top here, but I'm really not. Like, I'm not nailing the lines, of course. I remember, like, it was back... I can't even remember which Dragon Age it was, but it was back... It would have been in, like, 2012, 2013, like, long time ago. And I remember picking up a Dragon Age and everybody saying it was so good, it was so good. And then the whole entire time, every time your character moved, they just went... Ugh. And I was like, nobody does that when they walk. Nobody. (laughs) And like the constant, just the constant noise for the sake of noise. It's like, good for you. You got a voice actor, but maybe tone it down a little bit. Like you don't need to comment on every little step that I take because yeah, like it's, it's just a lot of extra to process and you don't need all that extra. Yeah, and this game has that extra, like, they are addressing this in the first patch where you were able to turn it all the way down. I don't think the slide, like, there's literally two sliders. There's the narrator slider, and I've turned it all the way down. Uh, He still narrates way too much. Um, I was going to say, is that like a volume thing or a frequency thing? Because that's (laughs) different, right? Like, if you can just turn his volume down, then you might miss important parts. But if it's like literally a turn off the bullshit slider i would that would be helpful if it would like actually stop his his unnecessary voice lines yeah i want it to be turn off the bullshit and but it but it is not a volume it's definitely linked to uh the tooltip is like the frequency and again i don't know if it's a bug or if they just thought like turning it down to zero meant he's still going to talk a little bit too much. Yeah, he's still there ninety percent of the time. Yeah. Nobody wants him actually gone, Ryan. <laughs> I, I I do. I I think. I mean, I don't want to skip to the end here, but like I'm. I, I there was a moment if we had recorded last night, I probably would have been much harsher on the game. Um, but I did take some steps uh, last night and and into today when I was playing before the show, and I have started to. Uh, enjoy the game a lot more and really it's been mashing through the cuts through the dialogue because what happens is this is even the best part so there's two sliders there's the narrator and there's literally a slider called gibberish and um that is the same thing it's the frequency of of how much gibberish pops up and what it is is it's the animal crossing stuff but not cute and fun it's really annoying sort of babble talk where it's like, blah, 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 blah. you know, like peop- every animal sounds different. And some of it's like, burr, 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 burr. it's just really not <laughs> great. And every line in this game is preceded by the animal characters making various sounds that are terrible. 
And yes. Oh, the, so like they make the gibberish sounds and then your narrator translates it for you? So it's doubly annoying. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a really big issue, um, which I'm surprised didn't come up in testing, but has been nailed in reviews and comments. So they are fixing it in the patch. I have not played the patch, but they said they've addressed it. Um, and really what I want is like, I don't want to hear any, I don't mind hearing like, you know, a second of the gibberish before the narrator comes in. Cause I understand the narrator is translating and that is, um, that is referenced in his lines. Cause he's like, Oh, I don't really know this dialect, but I think what she's saying is this. And like, that's really interesting from a lore and world building perspective, but I don't need to be reminded of, of it constantly. There's a difference between like fleshing out a world and being annoying AF. Like you can you can build a world and build some lore, but like you do it the first time, maybe the second time, and then you tone it down. Like by the time somebody's been playing your game, and I don't know how how long of a campaign this is, but by the time somebody's been playing your game for a couple hours, they get the gist of it. They don't need all of the the extra every time. Because it gets repetitive, like, regardless of how many, um, like, different voice lines you have. Like, unless you have a different, like, voice line every single time, which I'm betting that they don't, <laughs> then, yeah, it's, it get, and even if they do, sometimes even that's annoying. But if you actually start to notice the patterns, oof. Yeah, sometimes the patterns will repeat uh, in in sequential dialogue. So you'll hear, like, the same blah 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 it like especially if you're <laughs> skipping through um so i've i've started to skip through like i'm you have to skip the 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 gibberish and the narrator separately so, and sometimes i will accidentally skip through the narrator but honestly i'm not i don't think i'm missing much like the quest puts you in the right direction no matter what um but yeah like again that's stuff that can be fixed in a patch and certainly you know i'm not here you know, this week, but, or next week, but when I come back, I, I might've put more time into this game. I want to, um, and hopefully the patch will be out by then. But like the combat, uh, is, is in, again, very ambitious, like multiple fighting styles. Uh, each weapon has its own combos. There are, uh, two-handed weapons, um, and there are single-handed weapons and you can dual wield. Then there are guns. So there are machine guns that you can dual wield. There are rifles, shotguns, stuff like that and it's all got unique combos they're like four or five combos for each weapon type and that's really cool uh however combat is super frustrating at the default difficulty uh parrying and blocking is not as snappy as uh the the king of it which is batman arkham asylum you know you you get the little uh the gold standard <laughs> it is and you know spider-man uh the spider-man games on ps4 and ps5 those games i think are one of the few that have been able to lift it really well um shadow of mordor did it really well and when you don't do it well you feel it in the combat and i think in biomutant you feel how they've kind of missed the mark a little bit where you are sometimes fighting one or two enemies and it's you can get that block off and and you can get the parry done as well and that feels good but it's like it's not it's not nearly as forgiving as it should be you have to hit it at that exact moment then follow up with the parry so you're blocking with the l1 
you follow up with the parry with the square then you have to follow up again with l1 to do like a combo parry and when you when you nail it it's great but when you're fighting multiple enemies and they're all wailing you at you on you at the same time you're i was dying constantly and again like hitting that reload and just like i i'm close to stopping like if i hadn't you know got a you know a review code and committed to like playing this game so we could talk about it i probably would have stopped and uh i i did a little bit of digging and people are like oh yeah just turn it down to easy and i turned it down to easy and like the game is just so much better like i'm the Mm. combat's more fun i'm surviving uh i am taking damage but i'm not getting stun locked by the enemies that was the most frustrating part i'd get stun locked i'd be on the ground and then they'd all hit me three or four times and i'd be dead and it was it was really frustrating. That, I don't know. I like I don't know where that first came up in gaming, but whoever invented that, I just want to kick him in the nuts because it is the most frustrating thing. I think. I mean, even more so than we talk about Dark Souls combat a lot, where like you get hit once and you die. Basically, um, mm-hmm. it's like it's worse than that, right? Like it's like you're literally just sitting there watching your character die as you're stunned over and over and over, and there's literally nothing you could do but die. And that's super frustrating. It's frustrating in every game in existence. So, guys, if you're game devs, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> I like, agree. <laughs> I, I think put I, some or like put some diminishing returns in there or anything. But yeah, don't make it so that you can have a character just laying there, unable to do anything for ten seconds. It's the, literally the longest ten seconds of a gamer's life. <laughs> yeah, and again, like watching your character die only to know that you're going to have to reload and and wait for it to load. And and, um, I'll say this, like I, I was playing before the show. I am starting to enjoy the game more once you kind of realize the quirks of it. And yes, it's one of those games where you, you are going to need to play through the first uh, three or four hours to get like a good amount of gear and a good amount of weapons and to understand the combos and, and how it works. But what I would say is like, the open world and the presentation of that open world and the way you're sort of set upon your quest where like we didn't touch on this but the world tree is dying and you have options like you can go in and decide to burn it down like you can go through the game as if you're like i'm yeah it's dying let's burn it down let's figure this out but we don't need the world tree or you can you know play the game and try to save the world tree by defeating the world eaters siding with the there's these tribes in the game they're all warring so you're like okay uh you have to solve that too because again if we're not working together we can't save the world do you save the world by you know uniting through war or do you unite through peace and uh persuasion you can actually go into domination (laughs) yes you can do domination uh I'll let you guess. What do you think I did? <laughs> Peace and yeah. save the world tree and kumbaya fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah, no, totally predictable. I went in. I'm I'm the nice guy. Like, there's a light and uh, dark system where you are. Um, you literally have like an angel and a devil sort of ferret that sort of floats and like they talk. Like, <laughs> I'm the good guy. I'm the bad guy. And that's really interesting as you get, uh, that stuff's all really good and well implemented. Like the world looks great. It feels great when you're, when you're moving through it and you've got mounts. And again, like the vehicle sections, you're getting these unique vehicles for every sort of boss zone and every boss is different. So, you know, the one boss you're fighting is a mech 
and the other boss you're fighting on like a sea dew and then on another boss i just did you're you're fighting on, a, on the back of a uh, of like a weird tiger cat horse thing and it's it's got so much cool stuff but it's held back with uh, th- these issues where like yes if you're gonna play this game you know wait for the first patch to hit and see how it's received because i think it's going to address a lot of the narrative issues with you know dialogue and pacing um but also make sure to just turn the combat down to easy if you're struggling because again mm-hmm. the the difficulty only affects the combat how much damage you take how aggressive the enemies are and really if you want an ability you want to you want the ability to use your combos and actually feel like a badass like you're going to want those windows uh opened up cuz i struggled a lot and uh the combat was not fun uh when i was when i was sort of getting my you know i was, I was getting my uh ferret handed to me i don't know <laughs> i don't know again i don't know what kind of animal i am um but yeah it's the open world is really cool like there's a whole area that after you get where you get the sea dew um there's a whole area that's kind of all swamped and you just you go you get around by riding on this sea dew through uh, through the whole area, and you can summon it whenever you're at a river, right? So it's like it's got these really cool moments and these really cool systems. Um, and and the other thing is you can you can say f it and just do parts of the quest where you just you pick you know some of your friends and you you build a ship and you just fly away you know like there's a you know just like this this land's screwed we're, we're going to another planet like there's a lot to this game <laughs> that it um, sounds like there's a lot of narrative choice which they don't always give you right like there's sometimes a good and a bad ending but there there isn't often like hey you want to like destroy the world? That's cool. Want to save the world? You could do that too. You want to become a warlord? Yep, we got that here. You want to just, you know, build a spaceship and take off and find a new planet? Yep, you could do that. Like they don't normally check all of those different like boxes. Yeah. <laughs> the only one I haven't heard you talk about is like go crawl in a hole and try to forget everything is happening. Like that seems like the only unexplored option. <laughs> I don't know if that's in there. Uh, although again, cause this is like a post-apocalyptic world, post-post-apocalyptic world. It would be hilarious. It would it's be like cool. If, if you like get to the first quest giver and he's like, the world tree is dying, blah, blah, blah. You have to do something. You're our only hope. And you just like, no, thank you. Turn around, go back to your house, and then like the whole game just turns into like Animal Crossing, where you're just like decorating your house or whatever, and then the world ends and you everybody dies. Like <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be interesting. Feels like that could be a secret ending that you unlock right at the beginning. Some games have. Yeah, that. if you just don't do anything, like don't do any questing, just go back to your house and just sit and wait. <laughs> see what happens and this is something we hadn't touched on like there's a whole system of crafting like because this is a a world that has existed before you there's a lot of a lot of loot a lot of scavenging you're doing you're finding parts and then you're able to build your own weapons through multiple parts and it's and you don't have to go to a bench you can do it all through the systems again like they've made some really They've they've had they have the all these high end systems and some really worked well together, but some do fail. And I think like that's where through some patching, I think they can fix some of the narrative issues. Like the the gibberish stuff followed by the narrated narration, that that can be tightened up, you know. Um and you can also skip it. Like you don't need to hear it out. You can just do the quests and 
turn the difficulty down to easy and you'll have a good time. Like I, I have started to find that fun and I think now I've got like maybe one more world boss to do, but, uh, you know, the, the one thing that I struggle with, like when you compare this to its inspirations, like Breath of the Wild and, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla is that the characters are not great. You know, there's nobody like, oh, I can't wait to go talk to you. What's the one guy's mm. name? It's like, it's really like old, <laughs> old man or old, uh, old and forgotten. It's really, it's a really bad name, but he's like the guy you go talk to after you do every like main quest. And, but like, you don't look forward to that. Whereas in like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it's like, oh, I can't wait to meet up with my brother or, uh, you know, go back to the town hall and, and talk to, you know, the, the guy who makes tattoos. I don't know. Like, I can't remember their names either, but they were more memorable characters. They were more fun to go back to and have conversations with. Um, or Breath of the Wild, like going and talking to some of those guys. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, you that you also need those characters. Like, the world is really well put together, but the characters are kind of, they're kind of, they're not, they're all kind of like bland. They don't really stand yeah, out Yeah, they're just me. meh. Yeah, but the world is really cool. Like, I think they've got something really cool here. Um, but with some patching and just following some some slight guidelines, like, you, you can find the fun with this one. And uh, there's a reason it's kind of getting a mixed bag because I think like mm. if you do get hung up on some of the issues, which are there, uh, you can you can kind of, you know, pass on You can on this bounce one. off it pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad I didn't. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll finish it up and I'll, when I get back from vacay, I'll, uh, I'll chat about it. I'll wrap up my thoughts. But as of right now, like I, I have bounced back a little bit on it, but there were some pretty... But it still sounds like it's kind of a wait and see, like wait for that patch and see if the reviews change, if anyone even goes back to it. <laughs> yeah, that's the struggle right there. Like this is a, a smaller, you know, uh, developer, uh, not necessarily indie publisher, it's THQ Nordic, but it's yeah. one of those things where like if these first few patches, they are being quick on it. So um, I hope to play it after the first patch because I think that's always the big deal. It's like, okay, like in terms of timing, you kind of get the one, Right. Um, like you look at CD Projekt Red and, and Cyberpunk, it's like you either finished it in a buggy state or you got maybe a couple of small patches. Like, I don't think anyone's waiting for like that game to be quote unquote fixed, right? Like you either finished it yeah. and moved on or you, you just, you didn't buy it. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I'll report back after that new patch comes through and see if that fixes some of the issues. But again, like I think I've kind of found my groove with it. So I, I might end up finishing it before it gets to consoles. We'll see. We'll see. Well, you know, after after everything that you said about Biomutant, um, like and talking about like having a narrator and a translator and gibberish and all that kind of stuff, like I'm actually playing a game that does the same thing, but I think a lot better. Nice. <laughs> so um, I've been playing Imagine Earth, which just came out uh, this past week, and it's only $30 Canadian. It was actually on sale when I picked it up um, because I think they had like a launch window, like 24 or 48 hours or something sale. So I think I got it for 20 bucks, but um, it's back up to full price now, which is 30 Canadian. So like I said, probably about 20 American. And you're kind of like exploring the solar system. And so meeting different like aliens and like native tribes and all these different worlds and stuff. And they speak gibberish to you until you kind of like find a translator or 
you know, like if you've traded enough with them that eventually you kind of learn their language and stuff. And it's like, but I was never annoyed by it because it only happened like every once in a while and it would be like three or four interactions. And then it's like, okay, we're friends now. Let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that there's like a place for gibberish, but also a way to do it in a way that's not super duper annoying because you don't want to annoy your player base. But anyways, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> but um, it was just funny when you were sitting there talking about it. I was like, what are the chances that we're both playing games that have like weird gibberish being translated to you? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, I am playing Imagine Earth. Imagine Earth is um, kind of like a sci-fi version of civilizations um the tiles are different because they're um like triangular instead of like five or six sided or eight sided i'm trying to think of like all of the different like strat games that i've played <laughs> but um it's it's really really fun and i guess it's it's not uh it's not exactly like civ because it's definitely like an rts uh, well not really an rts it's like it's real time, but you're not like moving units or anything. It's like a real time simulation city planner, kind of. <laughs> mm. But they've got a really good campaign. And that's what I've been playing. I think I've played this like for three or four days now, and I've got almost 16 hours in it. And the campaign itself I found really fun and compelling in a way that I kind of just shrugged off originally. I was kind of like, meh, whatever, like, blah, 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 you know, have to explore, work for a corporation, la-di-da, whatever. Um, but it kind of um, made me start to care about the worlds that I went to and, like, the aliens that I met and... It's got this like environmental evil corporations vibe again, very similar to the like biomutant story, right? Where the corporations are in everything. Basically, it's like we've used up Earth. We need to go elsewhere. We have to make sure we don't make the same mistake again. But then it's like you're working for a corporation that only wants to make money. <laughs> and like, yeah, so there's like interesting balances and stuff that you have to kind of strike. And there's this, um, kind of military-esque like space force from earth that is like super pro environmental and then like it's like each different um like alien species that you meet has different um I guess priorities and so like some will be a uh, sustainable use of the land some of them will be super into like mining some of them will be very much into commerce like and and so you have to depending on who happens to share the planet with you you have to kind of go about your city building in a different way and the first three or four planets in the campaign were not necessarily easy but they they gave you a lot of guidance, but the campaign difficulty ramped up pretty quickly. I think on planet number five-ish, I had to redo the scenario and the scenario was a good like hour long, probably. I had to redo it like four or five times and the time that I succeeded, it was like down to the second because basically it's like you have to build a city that's this big. You have to make sure that you have a protective like shield generator and you have to do something else. Um, and it's within like a real time time span. 
And it's like if you pick the wrong technology to research, because like technology takes again, it's not like how many resources you can mine. It's just like this technology will take 10 minutes. So if you pick the wrong thing, there's no kind of like adjusting your economy and moving all of your resources into like science to to get the right tech to to beat the timer it's like if you screw it up you might not know until the last like minute or so and then you've kind of passed the point of no return and you failed <laughs> so like i failed twice i reset about 10 minutes in probably three or four times and then i i think i failed another once or twice where like I was within the last like two minutes or so of the scenario and the shield takes two minutes to build. And it was like, you're at, you know, a uh, minute 40 left. And I was like, but this takes two minutes. And it's like, once you hit that timer, it's like done. There is no like, oh, we'll pause the timer because you know, your shield's under construction. It's like, no, if it's not done, you failed. And it's like a hard limit. So, and like I say, the time that I actually was able to complete it, it was uh, it was really, really hard. And I think I completed it with like 10 or 20 seconds left. Like it was down to the wire, uh, which I actually really enjoy because it's nice to have like a a challenge and also have like characters that I kind of care about. There was and it's funny because the characters also definitely grew on me. Like speaking of like weird voiceover, there's this like the scientist guy is like, you know, the guy from Futurama, the professor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, professor Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Yeah. I, so, uh, well, I didn't just want to say, do you know Farnsworth? Because then you'd be like, uh, context. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Farnsworth, the old guy from Futurama. It's kind of like they did him, but up to the creep factor. And he's already got a little <laughs> bit of creepy old man going on. Oh, yeah. And so, like, but it's not to the point that he's, like, you think he's, like, really bad and creepy. He's just, there's just something about him that makes you go, that voice is off-putting. But he grows on you. And by the end of, like, because I think I'm on, like, planet, uh, it's probably, like, seven or eight, I would say, at this point now. I'm not quite sure how much of the campaign I have left because you're kind of, like, working your way around the galaxy and, like, I started at, say, like, if you're looking at a clock, I probably started at, like, about 11, and now I've worked my way to, like, 8 or 9-ish, so I'm, like, almost all the way around the circle. <laughs> there might be one, there might be two more planets in between, I don't know, but um, it feels like I'm, I'm working my way to the end of the campaign, um, and it's also interesting, like, they just, they have so, so, so many systems, and the tech tree is really interesting, and you can research like upgrades to everything. But like once you unlock stuff during the campaign, when you start a new planet, it's like you know about that technology, but you have to like allocate your resources towards it. So you get these like tech tokens and you start each planet with a certain number of tech tokens. I think usually it's either four or five. I can't remember exactly. It basically lets you buy like one thing off of each wheel. And I've had to restart a couple planets, even a few minutes in realizing like, oh, the goals, because they also don't give you the goals all at the same time. It's like they give you your first goal. And then once you reach that, they're like, okay, the next step of the scenario is this thing. So it's like, if you've totally decimated the planet and polluted the crap out of it, trying to get your first like, um, your first objective done 
And then all of a sudden your next objective is like, make sure the climate doesn't warm by more than three degrees or something. And it's like, instant fail. It's like, oh man, (laughs) I wish I'd known that 25 minutes ago. So like, you really have to kind of be careful about like where you put your tech because like you'll have all of the options available to you. So for instance, um, in your like urban development wheel, you've got like, um, like basic housing, you've got a park district, a health district, a science district, a what else is in there? Well, anyways, that's five. (laughs) And so you have to kind of decide out of those five, which one you want first. Now you probably want to have your like just generic urban development first, but then where do you go second? Do you go with health and try to make sure that your people stay healthy and you prevent prevent like epidemics and outbreaks and stuff? Or do you want to make sure that your people are happy because then more people will come in and basically the entire or most of your kind of economy is driven by how big your cities are and what the population is of your world because they pay taxes. So your your income is is based on how many people you have attracted to your colony. So if your colony sucks and it's like all dirty and polluted and and nobody likes living there, then your population is going to go up really slowly and you're not going to have enough money to buy all the things that you need to buy. So they did a really good job of balancing it. And I think they've designed a really cool campaign. Like I said, I've, I've been playing for about 16 hours. I've been actually like challenged and I'm playing on normal. Like there's one difficulty easier and one difficulty harder. And there's some scenarios that I'm just like, I don't know how you would do this on hard. Like it would be impossible. (laughs) So um, like I said, I'm playing through on normal difficulty. I've played about 16 hours. I'm not done the campaign yet. And there are many other modes beyond that. So I just kind of jumped straight into the campaign to see what their story was like. And I really enjoy like the direction and, you know, like having different challenges thrown at me on each different planet. It's something that can kind of not necessarily be done often in these kind of games. Well, like if you look at Civ, it's like you kind of have like win conditions, but this felt more like a natural evolution, I guess. And like it gave me something to aim for, but then I didn't have to leave right away you know, you can always go back and there's like special um, mineral deposits all over and you can't mine anything unless you've like claimed it within the borders of your territory. So you basically have to like build up your cities, build out, you know, everything else before you can get there. So you can go and um, mine all the special nodes, complete all the objectives because some of them are optional um, and you can like go back to any of the campaign planets at any time. So it's also been like, I don't want to spoil any of the the kind of story and stuff that's going on in Imagine Earth, but it's gone to some really interesting places, I guess I'll put it that way. <laughs> and they've introduced us to lots of different types of aliens and types of adversaries. Hmm. It's just the look of the game just looks so cool. Like I'm just looking at the... So pretty. Like it actually really is. I'm surprised like for the cost, the the graphics for like a a sim, like a a builder like this, it looks really good. And all of the planets are kind of like made up of this like similar looking tiles so that like 
you can start to recognize when you look at a planet like, oh, that super green triangle is going to be like my fertile soil. And, you know, that one over there is my desert. And like they're very like copy pasted tiles. But every world still manages to look different. And I don't know if it's like layout of like continents versus oceans or like it's they're not at least in the campaign. They're not randomly generated like every single time I restart a campaign, everything's in the exact same spot. But I don't know. They've just they've done a really good job of like reusing the same assets, but making it look different and pretty every time. Yeah, I'm just uh, I've, I've got the the GOG uh, store page up and it's still 40% off there. So it's like 18 bucks um, Canadian, but like they've got a bunch of gifts on the store page and just uh, under each heading. And it's like, just the UI looks really snappy and the way that ships land and you're sort of like panning across a planet. It's, uh, it's really cool. The one that I, so I do really like the UI. I like how you move around the planet and stuff. You can, you by default, they've hotkeyed all of your cities. So like the first city you build is hotkeyed to one. The next city you build is hotkeyed to two. So you can just like hit two and it'll spin the world around to the your city center of your second development. And then it'll spin the world around to the city center of your first. So it's really easy to switch between them instead of like dragging and trying to find the like cities on the world manually, I guess. But um Yeah, it's like, and I'm just seeing like screenshots come up now that show like the campaign in the Andromeda galaxy. And then there's another thing for another galaxy and I'm still in Andromeda. So the campaign is much bigger than I thought. I thought it was only the Andromeda galaxy. So I still have a lot of this game to play, I guess. Who needs sleep? (laughs) Oh, not me. Um, So, but yeah, like they, they do have some elements of the UI that make it really easy to navigate and play. They don't hold your hand, so I found that it was a little bit difficult at first to figure out um, how to how to build things quickly, I guess. And it took me a while to also figure out um, the technology allocation thing, and because you basically have to like grow your colony big enough to earn. Like research just takes time, and you can always research one thing, but then having the technology like marker you have to earn those but you can't earn them directly you just earn them by growing a bigger colony and the oh what's the other thing you have to do there's the technology thing and then oh the um the new city centers again that's just something that happens when you like increase like the value of your colony over time you'll get the ability to build another city center and kind of expand your world. But those aren't things that you can like just go and buy. Like there's in a lot of these games, it feels like you can sacrifice a whole bunch of stuff and just focus on one thing and you'll be fine in the end. And you can also then kind of pivot in that same way by again, moving all of your focus from one thing to another single thing. But you really have to find a balance in this game it kind of i think hits that feeling of being an outer space colonizer type person right because you are out there in the middle of nowhere you do have to manage your resources very carefully and you have to make sure that you are you know doing food things and energy things and you know like 
even just like goods, like your your people want to have stuff. They want to consume. So like there's a lot of different boxes that you have to check. And if you kind of let any of those things slide, including research, because you have to upgrade all of your facilities in order to like be more efficient, because eventually you just run out of space. Right. So you'll not have available triangles to like build another power plant. But your city has gotten bigger because each tile can be upgraded. So every tile starts at a one. And then once you get enough ones, then you can upgrade the one in the middle to a two. And then it'll let you do other ones up to two and then up to three and up to four and whatever. But every time you upgrade, it brings more people that cost more power, cost more food. And uh, yeah, so you eventually are going to run out of space. So you're going to have to have upgrades to all of your different um, all of your different buildings and things. So it's a very, very, very deep game. And I'm honestly between the voiceover work and the graphics and everything else, like and, and like I said, the campaign, which I thought was only the Andromeda Galaxy. Apparently, there's at least one more <laughs> judging by the screenshots. So, I mean, if it's even like, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was I was going to be perfectly satisfied if, you know, the campaign was 20 hours long and it seems like the campaign might be like 40 hours long, maybe more if there's a third tutorial gal or not tutorial campaign galaxy. Like, I don't even know, but <sighs> there's also an endless mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you've got your summer planned, right? Yeah, right? Like, it's it's very kind of like frost punky, but in space. So oh, obviously, don't I'm going to love it. I, <laughs> I mean, that's it a good thing. It kind of is, though. I mean, there isn't like... um. Like Frostpunk had all the like rules you can set and the like really hard choices and it was very bleak. This this game isn't very bleak, but um yeah. It it does other than that, it does kind of give me frostpunk but frostpunk vibes with like all the different things that you have to manage. Yeah. I was more, you know, thinking along the lines of like, I don't have time for uh for a uh, a, a planet simulation. <laughs> I think you'd really like it, and so you should probably stay away because I can see it sucking up a lot of time. I can't believe I already have 16 hours in it in, like, three days. Like, it's all I've done. I literally turned out, I was like, oh, yeah, I bought this thing. Oh, Ryan said he thought I might like it. It would be right up my alley, so maybe I should try it. And then three days disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I loved Frostpunk, and the fact that you're comparing it to to Frostpunk, and I I I I was really upset when Frostpunk basically was like, yeah, we can't do any more DLC for this. We're moving on, and then I was like, oh, that's such a bummer. But then they announced the mobile game, and I'm like, sweet, I don't care if it's free free to play on my phone. I'm gonna play more Frostpunk. <laughs> but it sounds like I should just play this. And, I think uh, you should maybe just play this, especially if it's 40% off right now. I mean, like if you're going to be paying between 15 and 20 bucks Canadian for this, it's an absolute steal. I would have been happy paying full price and then full price again. <laughs> like it's really wow. good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll add it to my wish list and uh, <laughs> we'll see how, how strong and, I remain. You know, like the thing is too, I noticed um, with Imagine Earth that so I have two people on my friends list, Iagavos and Brian Dunaway, and they have, I think, the entire Steam library either already in their library or on their wish list. And they are the only two people that have this game either in their library or wish listed. So I basically like don't even count them because they're just they're always there. <laughs> so 
I feel like this is the like best kept secret. I don't know, but it just it's so good. And I can't believe that more people because I have a lot of people on my friends list that play things like Frostpunks and and civilizations and and all of these kind of simulation management style games. And like nobody's talking about it. Nobody's wishlisting this game. And I think everyone's sleeping on it and they they really should go and check it out because I'm I'm having an absolute blast. <laughs> It's really good. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I've, I've added it to my wish list, just like Brian Dunaway. And uh, we'll see who cracks first. Uh, Brian, yeah. your move. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. If you guys like the content that we produce and you'd like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin. We are going to talk about the news now because, okay, and guys, I promise I won't talk about this for 18 hours. But uh, so we got... The Horizon Forbidden West state of play last week. I am so glad we didn't like hold the show to talk about it because honestly, I, I did. Okay. I didn't watch it <laughs> because I didn't want, like I watched the beginning and they're like, we have 40 minutes of gameplay for you. I'm like, no, <laughs> like why? I don't want you to spoil 40 minutes of the game for me. So I kind of like scrubbed through and I mean, they're going to say like, oh, not it's right at the beginning or not important story moments or whatever. But I'm just like, oh, I can't even like pre-order this thing yet. Like <laughs> what's going on? So anyways, I kind of like scrubbed through it and let it play for a little bit here and there. And, you know, just got a feel for what the kind of, I guess, like updated graphics, if you want to call them that, because um, my husband has been playing uh, Zero Dawn He's he hit level 60 before he'd even started to explore the second half of the map. <laughs> Matt, what are you doing? So then he was like, he's like, my main campaign quest wants me to be level 14 and I'm level 60. I'm like, you're going to melt stuff. You better turn up the difficulty or something. <laughs> How did he do that? He just, he explored. Well, first of all, there's the, um, the DLC, right? The expansion, the, um... Oh, yeah, Frozen yeah. Wilds. Yeah. So he had that whole area to like play and explore. And I think he got like 10 or 15 levels going up there. And he just like killed everything, did every hunter trial. And like basically if he moved past a tree, he had killed everything and looted everything in and around that tree and then moved on to the next one. Like he was thorough. But wow. anyways, so so he's been playing it for I think that's probably took him like a week. Um, and so. I was like watching over his shoulder a little bit, like seeing how how he enjoyed it. And I can't so I'm familiar with the PC version, like it's fresh in my mind of Zero Dawn and Forbidden West does look like an upgrade. They oh man, they still struggle with hair. Like I, I thought I don't the know. hair looked better. Like It looks OK, but it still looks like, you know what it looks like? It looks like it's in a hairnet. <laughs> and yeah. they've animated the hairnet and the whole like piece kind of moves all together and there's like they've done a little couple little wispies to make it not look like a big clump but again it's just it's just not how hair works <laughs> but no. it looks awesome in the cutscenes because i did scrub to some cutscenes and stuff too and the, and the cutscenes look like you're watching a freaking movie they just look amazing um, there was this moment where she's talking to an Osiram. I don't know who it was because, again, I didn't like get spoilers. Um, and they're looking at kind of like a, a 3D projected like holographic map of the globe or whatever. And that, oh man, that all looked amazing. So 
I'm glad that they shared it. But oh my God, Ryan, was I so let down when they were like, no solid release date, no pre-order, no like special edition console. The longer it goes, the more I think it's a pipe dream, Ryan. Yeah, I think your expectations (laughs) are too high. I know. Uh, I know. I know there's like, obviously there's going to be a collector's edition. And if there's any sort of physical collector's edition, I'm going to get it. Which means I probably need to get the disc version of the, uh, unless you can get a physical collector's edition with a download code. Anyways, doesn't matter. You can buy Point both. Is, <laughs> why not? I was ready to pay for a collector's edition console. So, and you never know, they might still do a bundle because it would kind of, it would make sense like a year after the console release to do some sort of bundle with a big title, right? But that would be in a normal console cycle. And this is like we talked earlier with the Nintendo stuff. Like this is anything but a normal console cycle. I mean, they they talked about like God of War got pushed back to 2022. Um, Horizon's still kind of on track for holiday 2021, but they're not 100% sure. And they haven't given, again, no release dates, no price, no nothing. There were, there were no details. This was basically a just like get people hyped stream. And I'm like, that's great, but I'm already hyped, so I need more out of you. Okay, PlayStation? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, when you watch I this... I was so video- sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I went in with, uh, you know, low expectations in terms of, like, this is going to be the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, and we're, and we're going to see more of that. But where I was really pleasantly surprised is they've kind of addressed some of the issues that, that I had with the first one, which was... Uh, the climbing wasn't really well telegraphed and was kind of slow. It was like the old Assassin's Creed method of climbing where you had to climb yeah. very specific handholds. And that, they still like, have that. Or like um, 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 Tomb Raider. Tomb, Tomb Raider. Raider. Tomb Raider is probably the more egregious you know, example where they did have very specific handholds that you had to hit. Uncharted did this as well. Um, but in, in Forbidden West, yes, they still have the 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 handholds however like you can highlight them with your uh your your you know your uh what is it is like a jabra sort of like bluetooth headset thing <laughs> what oh oh the focus yeah the focus thank you jabra was like a really <laughs> old uh bluetooth headset oh okay <laughs> i was like ryan where did that word come from it's not even a not english word that this thing is called in the game like and it doesn't start with a j like what, no. what is, are you having a stroke no 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 <laughs> um i i think that uh you know you can highlight it and then you have a grappling hook which is really cool to like it not only lets you you know traverse faster but it can like slingshot you and then you have the glider which again like was one of the the core components you had in breath of the wild that was really cool once you climb that giant mountain you could jump off it and glide and that was a really neat feature and the fact that they've kind of you know brought that over to horizon and offered you you know additional tools the stuff in Horizon was kind of um, controlled. Like you you did have those moments where you would climb to a super high peak, but then there would be like a zip line. So it was like you would go from that peak and you'd zip line down to a very specific spot, which allowed them to do some cool like cinematic camera controls sometimes, uh, but did take away the player freedom, right? Which I personally like because I don't like... I don't want to get 
to places I'm not. I don't want to cheat. <laughs> like I, was, I don't want to get to places I'm not supposed to be. Or get stuck, right? Or like, get stuck. Yeah. yeah, that's the other option, right? Player freedom usually ends up with people stuck in rocks. <laughs> yeah, been there. Uh, we we went there this week. Um, but <laughs> I think that, you know, outside of that, they've also addressed the, the staff combat. Whereas in the first one, it was more of a, a last resort. You were really using more of your bow and your traps. But now they've actually, like, added combos and finishing moves and uh, ultimate moves for, for Aloy's staff. And I think that's such a, a, a really you think about it it's like it's such a natural evolution of the combat and you wonder like how they didn't have more to it in the first one right yeah she had some like her her stealth kill animations and stuff like there were some but there they were few and far between and you had to get do a very specific thing to kind of get those moments Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm glad they've added that and i think that was the that was my major takeaway. Um, obviously, this is PS5 gameplay. We still don't mm-hmm. know what this game looks like on the PS4. Uh, and, and you know, Sony has continued to confirm, you know, what we thought were PS5 games on the PS4, like God of War and, uh, you know, Gran Turismo 7. Yeah, they did say that God of War is, even though it's been pushed to 2022, it's still going to be on the PS4, right? So... Yeah, it's... um. It's interesting. Like, I think uh, there was a tweet going around. Someone was saying, like, you know, it's really odd that Sony went out there and was like, we really believe in generations, yet they haven't fully committed to the new generation. I think that's just because of the pandemic. I mean, they said in the God of War stuff that, you know, they had pushed it back to 2022 because it started just after Horizon. I remember actually so i remember when forbidden west was actually announced because i remember sitting in the mall i used to guys when i went to my office i used to go to the mall and i used to eat in the food court wow. right What's what a, that's like a that's a it's a lot <laughs> Right. So I remember sitting on my phone and reading all of the Horizon news at the mall in the food court. So, I mean, yeah, (laughs) they uh, they were just slightly ahead of of God of War. They started a little bit before they were further along when the world went kablooey. So I'm glad that they're still aiming for holiday 2021, whether that was their original plan or not. Um, I'm glad that they didn't get pushed all the way into 2022 because I need it, Ryan. I need it and I need it now. So I just want to give them like every dollar I have and they won't let me and I'm starting to get frustrated about it. (laughs) Could be worse. You could be trying to buy a video card. Yeah, I just I just want it. I just want it. That's all. (laughs) Um, Speaking of things that people want, but they're not going to get in 2021, uh, BlizzCon is now on that list officially. Um, This has been a little bit controversial i think uh because it is an event that takes place in the states and because it traditionally happens in november a lot of people didn't really understand this decision but personally as somebody and you know ryan obviously living very close to me is in the same situation uh we're still in lockdown uh and a state of emergency and all of our schools are closed now officially for the remainder of the school year um, our numbers are really bad. Our ICUs are full. And so I think that some people in the States, because they are moving back to normal a whole lot faster than we are, 
maybe have lost sight of the state of the world. <laughs> and like the pandemic's not over everywhere. It's not even over in the States yet. But, you know, like they're they're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think a lot of them thought that BlizzCon would be that light at the end of the tunnel in 2021. Everything would be over and back to normal by then. But I think taking a global view, this is the best call because I think... Um, Blizzard would be potentially like opening themselves up for either being that con that opens too early and then starts an outbreak or they're they are kind of opening them up for like the America first or, you know, kind of criticism. It's they're they're canceling of BlizzCon and going with another virtual event early in 2022, I think are very globally minded decisions. And I think they're very responsible decisions, even if they're not popular with the fans. I really think this was the right call. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those things where uh, when you look at reopening and you look at, uh, you know, COVID-19, your, th- your, your first thought can't be let's cram 35, what is it? 3,500 or is it more like a thousand, 35,000. Okay. You do not cram <laughs> 35,000 people like uh, into a, a convention center. It, that is a, that is a huge amount of risk. And I imagine it probably would have been smaller. There probably would have been still some sort of like restrictions, but I mean, yeah, still, it would still be more people than, I think anyone in the world is used to being around. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's gotta be, you know, November may allow for, you know, small gatherings. Like let's baby steps here. Like theaters are still waiting to open. Like I, I can't go to the movies right now. Up in, up in Canada. Yeah. We can't go anywhere right now. Uh, Down in the States, they are open because my new co-host over on the angry chicken, uh, ridiculous hat works in a movie theater and they are open in New York. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is the crazy part is like, Everybody uses different numbers to determine when they can reopen. And I'm not as familiar with, you know, where the states is at, but like, are they able to open or, or do, do they just think they Well, the thing they is can? too, again, with, with it being the states, they had such a rough go of it at the beginning that they have a lot of natural immunity within their population and they have a lot faster vaccine rollout than we did. Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of like, they are definitely now leading the world in some sort of immunity. But uh, yeah, it's it kind of came from both those sources. One good, one not so good. And you can even argue that maybe the vaccine wasn't rolled out properly across the world. Again, with a very like country first, world second view. And that's a whole lot of politics that we are not going to get into on the Gamers Inn. But the point is... Um, that they are in a much different place pandemic-wise than we currently are in Canada. And I think that there's a lot of countries that are kind of in Canada's shoes as well right now who would normally be, you know, locations where people would be coming from to go to BlizzCon. And I mean, I think Canada is a really good example because we are their closest neighbor, right? There's going to be a lot of Canadians that would want to go to BlizzCon. And right now that's just straight up not safe. Uh, Canada is not doing well in terms of like our vaccine rollout's getting a little bit better, but like many of our provinces are just straight up locked down <laughs> trying mm. to get our third wave under control. So, uh, yeah, I think it's the responsible decision. And, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, it's going to be a decent show. Now they know, um, like 
last year <laughs> when they did BlizzCon 2020, but in February, um, it was weird because all of the stuff, at least for like Hearthstone, which had a lot of the big announcements as well as like Shadowlands for Warcraft, like all of that stuff happened on its same normal release timeline in the fall and like holiday of 2020. So then when we got a couple months later, nobody really had much to talk about. But now they know that they're going to be doing like they're 10 months out and they can plan a proper virtual con, right? Instead of being like, should we, should we not? What's going on? Okay, nobody knows. This is so different. Blah. This now is not their their first crack at it. So hopefully they have a, a better kind of plan for uh, their virtual con in early 2022. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit better than BlizzCon line. Please don't call it BlizzCon line again. Uh, it sets certain expectations. If you're not going to hit them, Blizzard, just don't try. Just just don't. <laughs> Call yeah. it State of Blizzard and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully they've sorted that out. I, I don't imagine they have because uh, they're not very good at pivoting with that type of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, hopefully they'll have some release dates and uh, or at least better better updates for Overwatch and, and Diablo. I mean... They've got until early Those are the big two, right? Yeah, those are the big two. And and the thing is, you know, they, they mentioned this in their in their press release, like the twenty twenty two, early twenty twenty two event will be kind of a combination of in person and online. And I think that's the way a lot of these types of shows are going to try and progress back to a full scale while everybody's getting mm -hmm. vaccinated. And I think that's what I I want to see those type of events come up. Cause like there have been there have been cons that have, you know, that have happened, you know, over on uh, Zombies Ate My Podcast, we have some listeners that went to a con in Florida. And like, as far as I know, it didn't make the news like it was fine. And, you know, they social distance as best they could people have been getting their vaccinations. So like, it's not impossible. But you're right, like, I don't think Blizzard wants to be the first video game giant convention. I don't think PAX is happening this year. Like that's another one. E3 and Gamescom aren't happening. Dragon Con. Dragon Con. 2022 is going to be that year where, uh, the return shows. of the con. <laughs> yeah. Trade shows and conventions try to come back to normal. Um, a lot of people thought 2021 would be that return, but I think quickly people realize like, no, 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 we need to push out and, and look at 2022 and, and that's fine. Like, I think that's the safest, way to do this and yeah we'll be back to that time and, and uh, we'll be back to cons and stuff and you know you'll be paying five hundred dollars to, to for your ticket and and you'll be you'll be you know uh you'll get geek is all over again so it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it will be so so yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to being able to play forbidden west whenever they let me and uh Late 2021, early 2022 should be should be a good time for gaming. So we will keep you up to date on all of those stories as they progress. And you guys know that as soon as we get a release date and a collector's edition of Forbidden West, that's going to be literally the first thing I talk about on Gamers In. So you can look forward to that. In the meantime, if you want to join the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn and Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying with Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>